0: Fifteen. Good evening, London. I'm Robert Elms. Actually, that sounds weird. For 25 years, I've been saying, Good morning, London. I'm Robert Elms. Which sounds much better. I feel very humbled. I cannot solve the problems of the cosmos. I cannot introduce you to great lost feminist writers. And nor can I tell you a tale half as moving of the one we heard of that extraordinary Turkish writer. But I can tell you a little bit about my (laughs) mum. Eileen Elizabeth Elms, born by the river, died by the Euston Road. That's a pretty good pricey of a life. And the life she lived ended in UCH with me standing by her bed. And one of the last conversations I had with her was about the area that my family had come from. My family had walked along Labrick Grove, bowled along the Portobello Road for generations. And I remember saying to her, Mom, I've always sort of felt that I should move there. And this was five years ago. And she said to me, Robert, you don't want to live there. Notting Hill's a slum. She obviously hadn't seen that movie. But what I want to say here is that in all the time in this shape-shifting city that I've lived in, the thing that I miss most, the thing that I think this city misses most is slums. I think we need more of them. I think we need more decay. I think we need more broken places. Look around you at this extraordinary venue that we're in tonight. What's great about it? It's not shiny. It's not steel and glass. It hasn't got a concierge or a gym. Who in heaven's name moves to a city and needs a concierge? Let me take you back to when I was young, growing up in this London of ours. This extraordinary city that we share. Almost everything is better now. Almost everything. I'm just checking the time. Where are we? Almost everything is better now. Transport is better, except tonight. God, it took me hours to get here this evening. I was quite nostalgic. It was like back in the old days when buses didn't have timetables, they had (laughs) rumours. Food is so much better now. You can walk out there, and you can get magnificent Turkish food. You can go up the road, and you can get great Vietnamese food. When I was growing up, the first example of exotic food that I ever had in London was going to have pizza on the Tottenham Court Road. I remember it well. And they served you pizza and a jacket potato and coleslaw. (laughs) That was the London I grew up in. But it was also a London that enabled you to do stuff. As far as I'm concerned, what makes this city magnificent is that it grows from the gutter up. It's a city that's been impervious to grand projet. Paris, which I've never loved, is Hausmann's monomania. New York is a, a grid, carefully designed. London, it's a mess. And that's what makes it magnificent. London is a mess because after the great fire of London, when it was supposed to be imposed by Wren that we would have grand squares and elegant boulevards, instead the people went sod that. We're not waiting for the bureaucrats and we're not waiting for the politicians. We'll build back our houses and our taverns on those those twisting, winding old medieval patterns. And so the city of London today is still like that. And everything, As far as I'm concerned, almost everything that has come great in London in my lifetime has come from broken places. Culture is like a fungus. It grows in places which are dark and damp. It comes up from the bottom when the posh people aren't looking. When I was growing up, this was still a city of debris. We called them debris. They'd been created by the Luftwaffe who'd bombed our city. You imagine what it's like having bomb sites as your playground when you're eight. No one having health and safety of any consideration. Some magnificent middle-class anarchic hippies come along with their roll-ups, to teach you how to make swings that you can swing across the debris. It was fantastic. In 1970s London, you could live wherever you wanted. Do you know what was the cheapest place? In London in the 1970s. It was that Notting Hill that my mum talked about. In fact it was so cheap it was free. There was an estate agent on Westbourne Park Road. I don't know how many of you know Westbourne Park Road now. It's got some of the most sort of glamorous boutiques in this entire city. Well then it had something called the Rough Tough Cream Puff Agency. This was an anarchist estate agent. You paid them whatever you wanted, including nothing, and they gave you a jemmy and a list of empty buildings. That's my sort of estate agent. And in that area, literally within sight of my Nan's house, I used to go to my my Nan was there, my granddad's, granddad Weenie's house. He'd been a street angler. That's the only way I can describe what my family did. And I used to go to my nan's house, and I watched this place. There's a, a road called Freston Road. Some of you may know it. It's sort of the continuation of Latimer Road, which is the road my dad was born on. Latimer Road, by the way, just as a little aside, was where a monkey jazz band once escaped. I kid you not. 1927, I think it was. A monkey j- what is a monkey jazz band? I have no idea. But their leader got as far as rugby, and apparently travelled first class on the train. Right? That's what Latimer Road was like. That's what my, where my family were from. Just Latimer Road gets destroyed by the Westway. The house my family lived in, the house my father was born in, was knocked down for the Westway. I tell people we lived in the fast lane. More likely it was the hard shoulder. But that house got knocked down and they cut. Latimer Road in half. The second half of that is called Freston Road. The people of Freston Road lived in a series of squats. Now squats are a wonderful thing. This is essentially a squat. The people of Freston Road lived in these squats. There were 217 of them on the day they took a vote. The GLC was threatening to knock them down in 1973. So they voted for independence. They declared themselves the the independent People's Republic of Frestonia. It really happened. In our lifetime, in Notting Hill. It's not in that film. They printed their own passports that they traveled on. They went even further than Britain. They went to other United Nations. They made stamps and sent letters around the world. They asked the United Nations to send in blue berets to protect them from the united nations you've got smiles on your faces and there's a reason for that because they were not property developers they were not building pustules of steel and glass the pox upon our city of housing for those who can't afford it of luxury apartments luxury and apartments the two worst words currently in the London lexicon. They don't mean luxury apartments. They mean safety deposit boxes with balconies. This we have to be really, really careful about in our city. Because if you take away the broken places, you don't get punk rock. Punk rock, the greatest cultural cataclysm, the greatest cultural... Firework display of my lifetime occurred simultaneously in New York and London when they were both broken, when they were both cheap, when they were both dangerous, when they were both poor, when they were both exciting, when they were both creative. When the Clash could live as one of them did in Frestonia, when they could play in the People's Hall in Frestonia, when the Sex Pistols could all live in a squat in W10 that should have a blue plaque with a a uh, safety pin through it. First time I saw the Clash was in a disused cinema in Harlesden, called the Roxy. Still to this day, probably the greatest cultural moment of my life. But it didn't end with punk rock, which taught us all: take it over, take control, be creative, use those broken spaces for yourself. It moved on to what? Well. I was a new romantic. I am not wearing a frill these days. I am not wearing a kilt. But I did. I've worn some clothes. And the whole thing, that whole new romantic thing that led to Boy George and Spandau Ballet and Ultravox and all of those bands came from a squat in Warren Street. There was a house in Warren Street that was worth so little that 27 preening art students could live in it for nothing. Or else we wouldn't have had all of those 80s bands. All of those clubs were in Soho, because no one wanted it. It was ours. It was empty. It was open. It was a field of possibilities. It was punk. Great cities are at their best when the young can take them over. It's not my turn anymore. This place is not for me anymore. It's for the young. But what's the temptation? will make it nice and neat and shiny, and we mustn't. Bright and shiny, or as I sometimes think of it, shite and briny, is the enemy of creativity. Think of King's Cross. They've done a really, really good job with the development of King's Cross. If you want to go and buy some designer clothes. King's Cross was the most dangerous, exciting raving place I've ever been in my life. I remember someone once saying to me about 10 years ago, what should they do about the redevelopment of King's Cross? I said, put a big fence around it and don't allow a bloody architect anywhere near, or a planner, or a developer, because they'll ruin it. What have we witnessed? Luxury apartments, high-end clothes shops, no creativity. That's the danger. Change is not bad. Much change is fantastic. I will accept that the Tate Modern is better than the disused power station that it used to be. Although that disused power station was beautiful. I will not accept that luxury apartments sold solely to the Malaysian market are better than a disused Battersea power station. I once had um, uh, the developer of Battersea Power Station saying to me, You can't expect ordinary Londoners to live in prime central London. A, when did Battersea become prime central London? It's not bloody Mayfair. And B, where are ordinary Londoners meant to live? I had a kid say to me a while back, Oh, I'm living in the east of London. He was in South End. That's not funny. That's really not funny. That's the future of Londoners and our city. London, all cities need points of arrival. They need places where the poor can begin. They need places where artists and creatives and scoundrels can do their stuff. They need places like this. This has made me so nostalgic for my youth because this Was the London I knew. This was the London that was so exciting, that made my blood pulse. I lived in a disused fire station in Tottenham. I'll end with this story. And I clambered over the roof with my girlfriend's brother of the time. I was rubbish at clambering and I was bad with a jemmy, but thankfully, Banji was brilliant. And we lived in this place and it was wonderful except it had the bathroom in the kitchen. The bath was in the kitchen. Well, that's fine, actually, because there are few greater pleasures in life than lying in a bath watching your pasta sauce boil. It's fantastic. <laughs> the only downside was that the, out- the toilet was outside on the balcony. Now, breaking the ice apart is one thing. Breaking the ice in the winter for your, your morning ablution is another. In that house, I watched my girlfriend's band that she'd started become the best-selling single female artist, British artist of all time, because she had a place to grow. And there was a day when her first single had just been released, it was a Thursday, and the record company had sent a, a big, long black car outside our squat in Tottenham to pick her up, to go to do Top of the Pops. And our toilet had frozen over again. We literally did not have a pot to piss in, but we had a place to be, and a place to be creative, and I had a place to learn how to write, and a place to learn how to become a Londoner, and that is so important. For years, people like me looked at Zoopla and thought, whoa, haven't we made a load of money? We made a load of problems. Where are our kids going to live? Where does the next generation of creators come from? Can you see punk rock emerging on the King's Road now? No. London has got no-go zones now. It's got the King's Road. It's got Chelsea. It's got Knightsbridge. It's got Kensington. Why would you go there? Thankfully, it's also got Lewisham and Tottenham and here. But if we make them all shiny, if we make them all bright and expensive and wonderful and designer we're buggered. I love this city. I want it to continue to be the most creative city in the world and to do that it needs some more slums. My mum said Notting Hill was a slum and it gave her her start. I loved her. I love this city. Let's continue to keep it rough. Thank you.